Hello, Tim. It's me again. What is up? What's up? I don't think I've actually said like my full name recently. Hello, it's me, Zach Miller. That's Tim Ryan. Yeah. Welcome How's to show one forty six. What is significant about episode one that I that you learned about last week? Well, you broke out the jean jacket, the the denim, the denim jacket. And I believe that was the first time that I had. First and only time I think I've ever worn it. We'll have to look back, but I think that's it. And I think that's the last time I actually wore it. What's significant about that, though, is that today's guest is also wearing a jean jacket. Tim, do you own a jean jacket? I don't, but uh, I, I have nothing against them, man. They're pretty hip. I just, I don't have a lot of jackets. Um, I'm just, yeah. What's funny about jean jackets is that, and I know you don't like this store, Tim, but every time I'm in Wally World, I walk by the jean jacket aisle and I see them. And I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> I, I, I never, I don't know if I ever heard the story to dislike it, Zach. But you don't like Wally World. Oh, oh, oh. Well, I, I don't have anything against what well, I don't have. Yeah, I don't have anything against it. It's just, um, yeah. It's not a place that you frequent. I understand. No. Emmanuel Perez, welcome to the show. Thank you for wearing your Canadian tuxedo. Happy to be here. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, man. Great to see you. I've, uh, I'm trying to think. The first time that, if I remember right, the first time we met was um was with the with our newsletter right was it was that so we start wheel has a newsletter we put out every tuesday morning and i and i highly recommend that everybody subscribe to the newsletter um we have we, many many people say it's the best newsletter they get those are their words they're not mine but i'm, I'm just saying so uh subscribe to the newsletter but one of the things that i always put down I, i'm just a person of the founders as a founder of of some ventures myself. I, I love the founders and uh, I don't know. I don't know if people just, they don't believe it if, if they think it's just lift service or whatever. But in most of my uh, newsletters, I always put a link like either to me or to my, uh, to my Calendly link. And I say, Hey man, if you, if anybody wants to chat, reach out. And, and you did that. And uh, I think that was the first time we met is that, if I remember right. That was it. I think it was sometime last year, another April or May, but, I've been a subscriber to Start Wheel now. Um, Silicon Anchor is that right? Yeah, that was just yeah. We can jump into that conversation too, because like this is it's just funny how that has all kind of gone full circle, and, and Zach has uh, some history behind that as well. But um, yeah, this is yeah, just a, just the moniker that, that that we're using right now. Is the newsletter now called Silicon Anchor Newsletter or something like that? Yeah, we, yeah, we just or yeah the Silicon Anchor News. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think it goes with the flow for the 757 in our, our nautical environment. You'd be surprised at how many people don't get it, but I mean it's just, uh, place, but... I mean from yes. I mean from the fishermen in Picosan to uh people harvesting oysters uh in Virginia Beach to the shipyard to the world's largest navy base. I mean water if you live in this area, water it affects water. you somehow. Water is the word. I, it just makes too much sense. But people like, I I did it in what, 11 or 12 came up with the idea, something like that. And it was an extension of this event that we did called Start Norfolk. And it basically became this brand that I called Silicon Anchor News. The area was going to be called Silicon Anchor to be compared to, um, or at least be in parallel to, at that point, maybe 20 other Silicon areas. So you got, you got your... Um, Silicon Alley. Silicon yeah, Silicon Alley. Slopes. Yeah. I, there's a Wikipedia page Tim talked about it a couple weeks yeah. ago. Like, there's all these places. And it was like, I was really big into like startup communities at that point and like going to different ones. And um, several of them had a name. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And uh, Silicon Prairie was the one I mm -hmm. mimicked Silicon Anchor after because they had a kind of media company around it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. They were, and that's the um, Omaha ish area and surrounding probably hundred miles. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. What if we created like a media organization around that? I have a TV background. There could be something there. Call it Silicon anchor anchor because of the water, you know, the nautical uh, references, the Navy references, just uh, anchor here is a good thing to, to build up from. We did that for like a year. 
Uh, it probably just wasn't the right time at that point. One of my many failures in life. Um, no, I think that you're. I think that you're just an early guy. You know, like you, yeah, you, you've fair. always been a little bit of your important. time. Yeah, but I don't know where I was going with that. But I, I have something interesting in this. Is okay. So you replied to an email. Is that is that what you replied yeah. to one of those? Start. I sure yeah. did. I think in the, in the body of the email or somewhere. Maybe maybe in in the subject line it was like contact me or just put time on my calendar, and I've I'd already been a subscriber for about a year or two. I was like, yeah, why not? Like I've this guy is super consistent. Every Tuesday I get an email from Tim. You know why not? And we said I just booked some time on his, on his calendar and then we met and it was um it was super cool. Like it was I imagined it to be so um so so comfortable, and uh, yeah we just, we just hit it off from there. I would I would envision that anyone that's subscribed to a newsletter, for the most part, that if they reply to the person and that isn't info at whatever.com, that that person is probably going to reply with them. And that is a tremendous opportunity for you to get in touch with that person, where if you were just to cold email them, you would have less likely of a chance unless you put together a, you know, a super duper email to them, which most people aren't um, strategic enough or creative enough to do that. Just reply to that email. You're probably going to get a response to some some regard. And kudos to you for doing that. And I think more founders should do that to people that they want to get in touch with. Because Tim says it all the time. It's very easy to get a hold of me. Yeah. but And I mean know. it. I, I, I sincerely mean it just in the sense of, uh, I mean, Zach, you know, just as well as I do. I mean, everyone, you and I, we have really big networks. Uh, Emmanuel, I'm sure you, I, you have a very big network as well. But it's just amazing, man. Like when you can put the power of networks into action, and just in terms of who knows who, uh, I mean, the degrees of separation just continue to narrow and uh, take advantage of it. So just the Absolutely. stat behind that is 80% of people that you meet, let's just say at a networking event, only 20% of those people will actually follow up with the people that they met. 80% of those people might get a business card. They'll never do anything with it. So if you just play in that 20% sandbox, you're going to, you're going to win. And you're going to do very well. So, yeah. Even on that think, point, Zach, uh, I've been going off of something like like called vibes, just energy alone at networking events. When I was in college, I think I tried to play the numbers game, like, oh, let me meet everyone in the room and try to get everyone's thing right. And then it wasn't it wasn't a very fruitful strategy. But now it's like if I if I meet someone, it's a it's a slower conversation and less of the what do you do versus who are you. I'd like to get to know more about you. And I think that I think that bears more fruit long run um, than trying to zigzag and hit everybody yeah. within in the conference room. I hate the, what do you do question? It's, it's literally the worst question that you could ever ask someone. It's so irrelevant. Um, the, who are you is better. My favorite is what are you watching on Netflix? Or I try to find nice. something special about them. <laughs> like your jean jacket. If I met you in person, that would be the first thing I talked to you about is the jean jacket or your headphones. I'd ask you about what headphones are that. Uh, Tim's probably wearing a Tesla shirt or a SpaceX shirt or yeah, or I wear like the that. same. This is this is my Thursday show shirt. It yep. is a SpaceX shirt, but I wear it every single Thursday. And I would I would ask him about something like that. If someone had a cool tie, like something a New York Yankees uh, hat, anything, I would talk to them about that thing first, rather than be like, oh, excuse me, uh, what do you do for a living? And then you have to get into this. Oh, let me give you my elevator pitch, and hopefully it goes well. But actually, you're an insurance agent, and I can't stand you. So then it's just like. Eh. Yeah, I digress. Heavy side. I think, and then that's a, a first time we met in person. Person was it Mighty Dream? Was it not? Yes, sir. Yeah, it was. Yeah. it was there. Wait, what you think of Mighty Dream? I uh, I loved it. I, think I did too. That, um, Norfolk has been long due for something like Mighty Dream Forum, uh, bringing together you know people or you know S class in business just to seven five seven and showcasing the opportunities that we have um, and showing, you know, what, what opportunities this region can offer to entrepreneurs and, and business owners. And uh, it's because you always hear about cities like New York and San Francisco and Miami and Norfolk and Virginia Beach and 757 area. It doesn't really get covered get, get that much of attention. And I, I get it. It's largest naval base in the world, very government heavy um, and contracting. But I think, there's, there's an untapped talent here. I think, uh, Tim, you do a great job at uh, showcasing that. And along with you too, Zach, with this, this podcast, 
is is really really nice to see. And you um you had a different you you had a different role at Mighty Dream Forum, right? You you pitched. I did. Yep. So yeah, so, talk about that because and and you came back with some hardware too, if I if I remember right, or at least not necessarily hardware, but paper, which is uh, the best kind of hardware. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I came back home with a big fat check, and um, <laughs> oh, was it one of those big? Was it one of those big checks, like the 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 cardboard ones? It was. I actually have it right next to me. Uh, yes. not. See those things are actually more expensive to buy than you think. Those Dude, things it's are crazy. Like, oh, those yeah. things, those things, because when we just just a quick little side story, when we did our first start in Norfolk, we gave away I think ten grand or something like that, and I was going to go get one, but they were like two hundred bucks. I was like, I'm not spending. I would rather give the founder the two hundred bucks, right? And that's what we end up doing. But like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's the most absurd thing ever. Like, why is this so expensive? But yeah. anyway, so you got it right there. Continue. I do, yeah. So I um I pitched at my dream form, but how that started was, uh, Black Ambition Prize launched. You think there's a second year launching your your standard black uh, black commission prize and your HBCU prize, uh, which are a set of prizes uh, for black and Hispanic entrepreneurs. And our HBCU prize uh, solely focus on students at HBCUs and recent graduates within two years. And uh, I graduated a year and a half ago, so I was eligible uh, to apply for HBCU prize. And um, yeah, I'm graduating from North State University um, right down the street from me, so. It it was perfect. Like the, the timing was perfect, and I had already applied in um, twenty twenty one and was accepted. And then I think when something in the water came in twenty nineteen, I applied for the pitch competition. I wasn't even considered. So this is technically my third time at bat, and um, I went through went through the process. I applied with uh, my startup idea Novus, which I was actually talking to uh, Tim about when we first talked. Um, over Zoom, when I when I just cold emailed him, and uh, I applied with a mentor of mine, Dominic Calder, uh, who was my advisor at the time, and then later became my co-founder. And so we went through a, a pretty rigorous process. They had, I think, roughly three thousand applicants, and then they had two hundred fifty semifinalists. And those two hundred fifty semifinalists, they had, I I think, roughly thirty five finalists. Or when no, they had 49 to 50 finalists, and then they had 30 to 35 top finalists. And then there's like another upper echelon of eight finalists that got to pitch on stage during my dream form the first day at, at in Norfolk. And uh, I was one of those eight. How uh, how nervous were you, or did you practice? Or did you? Pr I would imagine even if you practiced. Over and over, just relentless practice that you would still be nervous when you get on a big stage, uh, something like that. Oh, absolutely. What's what's cool though is that they hooked us up with a celebrity pitch coach by the name of John Guiden, and he had this awesome assistant named Ethan, and uh, they were both very instrumental in making sure that all eight of us were on point, even for the um, for the other finalists that made it too. Uh, he was very, very, very focused on making sure we had our pitch. Um, now, Pat, and that our delivery and execution was also on point. So we, we focused on iterating our, our script and then uh, telling a story and going through nine different elements of a pitch from uh, from our, our why to our problem statement to our demo to everything else in between and um, in a really clean closing and making sure our delivery and our voice and our enunciation was on point. So we literally went through... It, it was like a, a one month masterclass on wow. pitching one on one. And before that, when I was in Norfolk State and I did other hackathons, I would always wing my pitches. It was, I would always wing it. Uh, so hmm. he made sure there were no ums, no us. Like John <laughs> made sure like it was crystal clear. So yeah, like before I went up to pitch, I was second um, in line, and and out of nowhere, like Pharrell just comes out the back of the tent. I'm like, oh man, like, <laughs> oh, like, wow, oh, like, I got it. I have to do a good job now, right? <laughs> um, yeah, because it's definitely, but it's one of the things that we always say. I mean, this is a performance, you know, mm -hmm. and, and he is a performer. So he he would expect much of the same. I think it, it was pictures have I think all that, all that practice really did a great job. Um, so I, I, I did a really, really good job at pitching on stage. And 
I had some family and friends, my land, landlord, then landlord, uh, in in the audience. So there was like, I told everybody I had, I had a home court advantage. I couldn't lose. <laughs> the friends and family could be a worse thing because you actually have someone to like, like you're you're expecting to please, I guess. And so that, <laughs> yeah, that I was gonna, a... I was going to ask you, did did you focus on them or did you purposely not focus on them, just having comfort knowing that they were in the audience? I think there was a little bit more comfort there, uh, just because I could hold eye contact with them longer and um, instead of gazing, I could like hold eye contact for a few seconds and break. You could actually see with those lights. I could. I could. Wow. Not where we were. <laughs> Whew. I think I had some like 20, 30 vision, so that might have helped a little bit. Well, oh no, this was it, it, just straight sunlight into the <laughs> eyes uh, in, in a dark in a dark corner. Tim. Who were the judges? Uh, do you remember? It's a good question. I know there's somebody who used to work with uh, this NFC project called uh, Akatars, who used to be on their team. Um, Summer Walton, she was one of the judges. Um, there was another person from uh, Techstars. Um, I can't remember her name. I think her first name is Monique. Uh, there was an, another person, I think, from the, uh, from the Rockefeller Foundation or had an affiliation with, with them. And uh, I can't, there were some more judges I can't remember, but mm. they, they they were prepared. Yeah, I because, I, so we met at the rooftop of assembly uh, at uh, a black brand uh, gathering. Um. And it was amazing how many people, like there were more people from out of the area at, that were at this particular event at the rooftop than there were, it seemed like from uh, from the Hampton Roads area. So, I mean, it was just from that standpoint, it was really, really cool that so many people saw Norfolk for the very first time. Like they had no idea that anything like this ever existed or we even had something like this. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it, it was really nice. I think, um, yes, Assembly is a really amazing space and that, that you can't beat that view from a rooftop. That is true. Art, articulating, in, this is a hard stance, um, I think, for many people to to believe, get behind, whatever. I, I have been a part of several performances myself, coach people through them, whether that be through a demo day, a startup weekend style event, something like a mighty dream, a podcast, anything like that. It's almost like if you can't articulate and be a little over the top and not a lot, but like have like enthusiasm, just a little bit of enthusiasm. Maybe that, maybe that's like the minimum criteria. Maybe you should find someone else to sell some of that stuff on stage. And so like, I think back, and I don't know that you were at this thing, um, Tim, we had the very first hatch demo day at, um, at the 20th floor at um, Kaufman and Canals. No. Were you there when there were 15 minute pitches? I remember I had this vision then. And I like this person, I'm gonna throw him under the bus, he'll be fine with it. But I just remember like comparing like Byron Morgan's pitch, which was good, he had vinyl mint. He was a very outgoing, gregarious person. And he, he, um, William and Mary MBA understood how to like uh, all the bells and whistles, how to push it. Great CEO from that standpoint. Then there was someone else who was kind of a CEO slash CTO of his business, Chris Makut, um, of Notaris. And he got so technical that everyone in the crowd basically just started falling asleep because they didn't understand it, right? And so if you yeah. if you bring this back to maybe the greatest performance of all time is when Steve Jobs said something very technical in a very uh, everyone else can understand kind of way. So forever, people were marketing at the time, MP3 players in the amount of memory that they had. Oh, this thing is uh, 256 megabytes of memory, which at that point was a lot, by the way, people, which he said, imagine having a thousand songs in your pocket, the exact same data point, but in a way that people can articulate. And so if a person can't articulate it in a non CTO kind of way, which is basically your marketing PR slash maybe CEO type of person, then they have to find someone to present that so that 
it gets articulated because otherwise you were like, well, what's 256 K? I don't know. I don't get it. And so I, I think there's something there, maybe not super early in a business, but like maybe that next step in a business, like hiring someone that can be that front man, because most people who are afraid to be on stage don't want to be there anyway. So it's probably a good thing to have that person. But I think that's an important uh, thing for people who get performances. And I think most businesses that are going to be front facing need to do that. So where, where, where do you fall on that scale, Emmanuel? Because like, I see that you're, you're a technical guy with a technical business, and we'll, I, I want to get into that. But at the same time, you write poetry, you're writing a novel, you, you dance, you know. So yeah, like, where do you fall be, uh, in that spectrum? That's such a great question. I've always um, tried to, in the most poetic way, dance between the two lines of being creative and being technical. Um, when I'm around technical people, I feel like the dumbest person in the room. And when I'm around creative people, I'm always absorbing and learning other things from them. And I think specifically to the pitch, um, yeah, when I graduated from State University, I bounced around three different majors. Like I, was, I went from IT to computer engineering, back to IT and the business MIS, because I was just trying to find my my flow. Like I love business, love technology, and I love people. And so for my when, when I pitched um, our startup Novus on stage, it was, it was hard because I was trying to uh, beat it creme de la creme when, when I was around technical people. So I was using more technical jargon around them. But when I came around, you know, normal everyday people, they were like, what is this? Like, I don't understand a word of what you're saying. Please break it down and make it understandable. So um, Zach, to your point of bringing it to a level where everybody can understand the, the context, um, I really had to get had to realize it's it's okay if I was, I was battling like an insecurity thing of quote unquote not being smart enough. But I learned like if somebody understands your space, they'll they'll ask you questions and then you can slowly ramp up the technical jargon, and that's that's okay. Yeah, I, I, read the I room, guess to understand, know, know your be. audience. Yeah, read read the room or ask beforehand. Figure out who is in audience. Because you can figure that out. You can have two different performances for that. A more technical one for technical people, just by asking the host the thing, like, who's going to be in the, like, what's the overwhelming majority of the people? And maybe there's even a third, like, there's nobody's that's going to be customers. They just happen to be people who are excited about entrepreneurship. And then you pitch to the right crowd, and then you kind of, you have a better understanding of, of what they're looking for so that you can perform well. And then in this case... Emmanuel, you got like two, two, two hurdles that you have to cross. You've got the fishing aspect and, and that standpoint. And then you, then you bring up Web3 and then people probably look at you crazy. So now you have to explain both of those aspects. So, so how do you do that when you talk to people when we, as, you, as we talk about your business? Absolutely. Uh, so I start off by telling a personal story just about uh, fishing and how a uh, fishing message got dropped in my group chat and all fishing is is just um a message coming from a bad actor that's supposed to mirror the real thing but it has malicious content um behind it so for example like if uh, you've ever gotten those weird text messages from either a bank like maybe federal or wells fargo and has like some crazy text or something like a url that doesn't look like real thing behind it like that's, that's an example of a phishing message or the emails that end up in your spam folder and so in my story last march um an Bitcoin claim link got dropped to my group chat i pointed out like no, this is a phishing link like don't click on that link to claim you know this this cryptocurrency that's not coming from the right source and it was really just a wallet drainer to drain um your digital assets and your cryptocurrencies from your your wallet so it, while it looks like a real thing um, on a website, it's it's not. And when the stuff like the branding looks right, when the logo looks similar, when the URL or the link looks legitimate, um, some things can be off. And so I was like, it hit me down like, dang, well, we need a way to alert users, one, that this link is fraudulent, and two, um, hopefully, you know, tell give them a message that would deter them from continuing to make that transaction. Uh, so yeah, in I think in a, you know, the one liner, like we want to help stop and deter uh, users from clicking on 
of phishing threats. What, um, in terms of like the Web3 aspect, what, what, what can phishing attacks do? Can they actually uh, go into uh, a digital wallet and take things from a digital wallet or can they go, can they take ownership of, of an NFT? Can they do both? Or is it just uh, like gaining access to your clipboard or sensitive things like passwords or that kind of thing? So phishing, phishing attacks in particular, they can uh, drain, drain wallets uh, and they, they, there's, a, there's approvals and there's code on the back end, this thing called a smart contract that can automatically transfer over NFTs to the bad actor's wallet or their, their safe. And um, it's it's crazy because everything on the blockchain, uh, this is this immutable ledger that is in chronological order and can't be reversed, can't be edited, and can't be modified. So what's done is done. And it sucks because, like, there's no hotline uh, to call. Like, you can't call up the Ethereum blockchain hotline or Solana hotline or email or customer support. None of those things exist. And so when I talk about decentralization, it's like all decentralization is is there are no gatekeepers um, for you to ask permission to. So we talk about on the Web2 side of things, you got things like, like Gmail and Facebook and LinkedIn. So if you forget your password, you can hit uh, reset my password and get those, you can get your credentials back and there's a retrieval process. And what three there exists no such thing. Like if you lose your lose your seed phrase or your private keys, which are tools to back up your wallet, um, your your SOL <laughs> right out of luck. I mean what uh I I don't know what the stat is and, and if you don't know, maybe Andrew can look it up, but like how many in terms of like Bitcoin, how many Bitcoin are lost and just gone because of uh, people forgetting? Well, at least the full don't... hard drive. I mean, there's just well, there was a story of a guy go like go, going through a, a, a landfill, a landfill. Try, trying to retrieve a hard drive because that had his Bitcoin wallet. A billion dollars or something worth. Yeah, it's, I, I think that those cold storage wallets. It's 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 really funny because um, for for Bitcoin at least. I think for other cryptocurrencies too, um, you need that that seed phrase or that that key to unlock your wallet. And all this is just a mnemonic phrase of randomized words um, uh, that can that can unlock and give you access to those those tokens. And so, I that I remember reading the, the same story too about that guy. And so when he lost. Lost, well, he probably had a large number amount of coins that were worth X amount of million or, or multi-million dollars. So it's like going to the ends of the earth to find that. I'm I'm pretty sure he was he was on edge and he had a he had a mission. He ain't gonna find it in a in a, in a, in a trash. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. Did you so uh, Andrew just put in our private chat there four million bitcoins? Um, actual coins, hundred. not the value of the yeah. coin. Uh, it valued at 140 billion based on the current uh, price. So, well, so so we're talking about fishing, not fishing, but pH. Um, yes. You know, for my mom when she's listening, she's like, "I don't understand if you weren't fishing," and she's like, "You would reel it in and come on back." Sorry, mom. Um, how would you? So, so it seems like fishing before, and I, I feel a little bad referencing it this way but you know it was always like the african prince that's emailing you saying send me some money that's kind of like the old school style of fishing now it's similar to that but click this link and then now we got all your goodies you you see this stuff in your in your spam files sometimes stuff gets through sometimes it looks very very close to something like everything looks like a normal apple email but if you actually look at the the email that it's sent from it's it's definitely incorrect and and more of the phishing type it is a phishing email like if you were to write a blog post on how to improve your phishing ph to so that it isn't screwing you what what would you tell people to do what's the first couple of things that someone could do to not get screwed yeah so i think um we could we get better phrase i think like how to improve your operational security uh, there, there's a few things you can do and so I think the first thing is checking uh, the link or that URL and making sure that it's 
It's legitimate that it comes from a verified source. How do you do that before you click it, though? Great question. So I think on um, on I'm actually doing my cursor now on like your laptop or your your home PC um, on your your mouse or your cursor. You can hover over a link and um, you'll get like a little preview box. And most most of the time, with an asterisk, that can show you what the link is. Uh, but there are some I forget what the term is, but there's there's like a way to to spoof what that says hmm. uh, in very rare cases. And on mobile, you can long press on a on a link to open like a, a short preview box of what of what that link is. And um, I was always even afraid to go that far, to be honest. So so that that is for the most part safe to to, to click on the preview just to see if it's legit. That's, that's safe to click on a preview. It long press on a preview make sure it's legit. Because so it was like holding it a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think Apple's called like that 3D touch. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's one way mom, to do it. Mom used that technique. All, and Tim, your, was it your mom or someone that you had to fix their computer or something? I remember hearing that story. I thought you said it was about. Yeah, my mother in law. She has a. Uh, well, it, it, but it's phishing in that sense of like the old school. Hey, uh, we're going to call you on the land, the the landline for those people that still have them, and say that hey, we have a report that something's going wrong with your computer. We need you uh, give us access to your computer so that we can identify what's wrong. And so, the whole, so you hold the whole it down. I'm literally, level. I'm literally doing it now. So you hold it down, you can see the full preview. Is that for uh, Apple and Android? I I think Android has has it too. Okay. But I know Before you click any link, it. even if it's from someone that you know, hold that down a little bit and uh, get a little preview. And heck, if you don't like it, you don't have to keep going through. And you're like, screw it, I'm not going, even if it's not official. Right. Like and I think in a Web3 space where um, things are moving at a very fast pace and uh, things can, prices can inflate very fast for assets like NFTs and uh, for cryptocurrencies that drop every day, uh, everybody's always you can assume that everybody's always trying to make a quick flip or um, out to what they call it in space, like, like up their bags. Like they're, they're trying to, they're trying to make money very fast. And so things like FOMO or fear of missing out and being emotionally pulled. Like I used to day trade stocks when I was in college and in swing trade options. So I know how that can feel when you're emotionally pulled by uh, the rise and fall of currencies and, making a lot of money in such a short, insane amount of time. And um, bad actors notice. They, they know it well, and they use it to their advantage. And we have, like, I guess you call them, like, blue chip NFTs. It's like Port of Yacht Club NFTs or Moonbirds, um, et cetera, or even, like, CryptoPunks. And, like, a message is, is framed. Like, it's a psychological battle that's going on. And, like, I'm, I'm always curious about, like, how – how it's happening in real time and ways to defend and protect uh, everyday people against it. So who's your, uh, who's your ideal customer uh, and, and walk us through that customer journey when, when someone uses, goes to your site and, and subscribes to your service. Absolutely. So uh, our ideal customer is somebody that's aged 14, 36 years old um, and has experience uh, buying selling crypto and has a non-custodial wallet, something like, Benamask or Coinbase or Trust Wallet or even Rainbow Wallet, and um, yeah, they're, they're they're very active in this space. And what sucks is that nobody thinks they need security until uh, they end up getting hacked or they end up getting their their wallet compromised, and then it's then it becomes reactive. Uh, so we had noticed we're building a browser extension to help detect. Uh, phishing attacks and so also social engineering threats that might come from somebody that that's a person, like let's say a Discord moderator or um, a Twitter account that looks like the real person or company or page, um, but they're not, and um, attack it right at the URL level. So, right when the user clicks on the URL, uh, no one lets you know, like, hey, you. We don't think you're on the right website. Would you like to go back to safety or continue um, with what you were doing before? And also explain why. So if you think about tools like extensions like Grammarly, Grammarly does a great job at telling you 
what you're writing is like, oh wow, this is this is pretty bad, but we can we can help you out here. Like we can help we can help clean up your grammar. Uh, we can help you know make this text or this email more concise. And it's I love Grammarly, and so I was like when I went to creating Novus, I was like I want to have the same very user friendly approach, but uh, to phishing and operational security. Let's let's tell the user why this link is bad. Like was the domain was this created yesterday? And I think the user should notice. Or um, are there other you know types of uh, phishing links as, as the same attacker has already put out? So kind of similar to when you go to a non-secure website. So before when they, if you go to HTTP colon slash slash, it'll say non-secure. And some people say, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to a, um, a paid website or whatever. But it, I mean, it's similar to that where something's popping up and saying, yo, like this isn't a good situation. Don't go here. This person doesn't have a secure site. I mean, it's a, a similar between that and Grammarly, but for the, for the web, that's what we're rolling with. Absolutely, I think um, HTTPS and that S being the secure function of of the whole protocol uh, is a great way to validate a site certificate. Um, there's actually an extension out there called, I think it's called HTTPS Everywhere, and so it'll on on browsers like Google, Google Chrome, it'll automatically um, enable HTTPS on sites you visit to make sure that it's. The site certificate is safe, which is a, a good rule of thumb uh, to make sure that it's not your own is legitimate. It's not true 100% of the time, but most of the time, um, it's it's true. And that's quite wild. <laughs> <laughs> it was like once I went down a rabbit hole of fishing, I was like, oh, wow. Like, for we talk about the, the span of cybersecurity types of attacks, you have a lot out there like phishing, social engineering, there's baiting. Things like um, malware and ransomware and Trojan horses, but phishing is at, at the it's like the bottom hanging fruit, but it's the one that can grab a lot of normal everyday people, especially uh, the young and the elderly, which bad actors uh, routinely prey on. Um, so uh, when I went down the rabbit hole, I was like, oh, it won't be this deep, and it just it just keeps getting deeper the more I get into it, and I'm not I'm by no means. A cybersecurity expert, I think of myself as like a super generalist, and I love to learn about a whole slew of things. But I was like, wow, like I'm going to need some help understanding this landscape. So, um, having my network and reaching out to a network of security professionals that uh, graduated at NSU, and it was it was just a huge blessing and a huge um, a, a huge value add. And you're still in the customer. You're. you're customer discovery phase and, and you're, you're seeking input and we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes uh, so that if you, you want to participate in that, that you can, what talk to me about customer discovery. Is that something that you're comfor uh, comfortable with? Uh, I think we were talking about recently, Zach, like just how some people are so afraid to talk to potential customers. Um, what's your take on that? Sorry, I mean, your customers are going to tell you everything that you need to know. Yeah, I I love it, and I think I might get too carried away with it at first. Um, I so in in Web three, a lot of people hang out on places like Twitter and Discord, and even even Reddit. So I would go on Twitter and I would look for people that had recently gotten fished and um, who were victims of of attacks, and I would you know input in text in the search bar like um, users who've been fished and MetaMask and it a whole bunch of tweets would pop up and I would individually DM people like, Hey, um, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Would you mind telling me more about your experience? Um, just to learn more about their pain points and what actually happened. And then I took it too far by going detective mode and searching on a blockchain to find out like why they got fished. And I, how, I how do they trust you though, after they just feel like they got screwed? Cause I, I, I would immediately think that here's this guy doing it again. Like, what, what are you saying that doesn't get people another red flag of, oh, my God, I'm about to get fished again? Absolutely. So um, it is funny because as a similar scenario happened to me when I was in Discord and an NFT project that I used to be a part of, um, scrolling into their general general channel. And um, 
heard a story of one person buying the wrong token from the wrong site. And so I, I, I added her in the, in the server, like, Hey, like, I love to learn more about your experience. And then we went to Twitter and we went to Twitter DMS. And then I sent her my Calendly link just to learn more. And she said, I don't even want to touch that. Like I'm so petrified of links. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm not touching any links. And that's how, that's how bad her experience was because of, um, her and she lost about ninety thousand dollars worth of assets, wow. um, and it was it was incredible. It, it it sucks, and I was like, wow, like I have to continue this conversation this over over DMs, uh, but that's I'm I'm willing to meet uh, my customers where they're at for the most part, and um, I think just being just brutally honest, like hey, I'm I'm also working on solving this problem, and I think learning about your experience will help. Um, aid uh, future customers and and people. Yeah, it was really uh, fascinating on yesterday's issue uh, or issue episode of uh, This Week in Startups. Um, episode 12. No, I, uh, I just lost it. But they had one of the co-founders of Airbnb on the show. And they were talking about the early, early days of Airbnb um, and that they actually flew to New York City. They, they, they found like the top 80 hosts in New York City. They flew to New York City. They went door to door to offer to take professional uh, photos of the, of the Airbnb space. But while they were doing that, they sat down with the customers uh, and they just got invaluable feedback uh, in terms of what was wrong with the website, how they can improve it. Um, but they had done that multiple times uh, like getting on a plane flying to New York City to to get that feedback. And then with that feedback, they were able to fix like the reservation system, how different things worked on uh, on the platform. And then they emailed them back within a couple of days saying, hey, thanks for your input. It's fixed. Um, and then they're directly uh, increase in revenue uh, based on Airbnb stays with that. So, I mean, it was just a super cool story. If you get a chance to listen to that episode, I, I highly recommend it. But that was the one that was released yesterday. Well, that's pretty incredible. And I, I think it's just like your customers will tell you everything you need to know. Everything. Absolutely everything. And you're uh, you're pretty active on the Twitter as well. Um, I'm curious with that, how do you uh, do you make time for that? Or does just just so something hits you and you're like, oh, I just got to I just got to put that out. I um, man, I just feel like I get so caught up in the day. Next thing you know, it's like. 6.30 at night, and I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe tomorrow I'll uh, be a little bit more active. But, man, I just get totally lost in the day. But you, uh, I, I enjoy following what you put out there on, on Twitter. Thank you. Yeah, I think Twitter can be a tool. And it can also be a, um, a, a time vampire if you let it be. <laughs> you, know, you easily get sucked in with the, with the algorithm and, and liking posts and really digging in to, to like, the dark side of, of Twitter. But um, – I think it's like a, a bit of a bit of play there too, right? Like learning learning how to share your voice in 140 characters or less, and how to make um, how to just just sharing your journey of what you're building in public or doing in public can uh, be very advantageous. I've gotten to meet just by sharing uh, my story. I've had I've gotten to meet a lot of incredible people, and um, also had I got to interview some engineers that. Uh, DM me. I was like, "Oh wow! Like, I really like what you're building with Novus. I'd like to learn more." And I'm like, "Yeah, let's let's have a let's have a chat." Um, and setting up my my calendar link and and going from there. And so I think it's it can be a great place to build relationships um, as well as let off steam and vent about what you're going through. But you never know who's going through the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way because I feel like. Anytime that like, I want to put something on Twitter, it's always a reaction to something negative. And I try to keep everything light. You know, I don't want to be like that guy on Twitter that's just constantly just venting and complaining about everything. I mean, it's just there's enough of that in the world. So I just I, I don't want to be another one of those people. I try to spin it in a way of, hey, you know, Lou, in, <laughs> instead of doing this, do that kind of thing. But um yeah, it's, it's Twitter. I, I continue to say Twitter is the most underutilized resource that this around that this area does not use enough of. I I agree. Like I'm I'm a fan of LinkedIn, and it's cool. But I, I think it's 
Twitter is a very casual place and not I feel the white Lincoln, like there's this extra just buffer of I guess quote unquote professionalism you, you can call it that most people put like shield and put on a mask behind but Twitter's like it's a very it can be a very raw and authentic place that's, and a fast that's place to receive news uh, that's interesting I would kind of as you say that I would think of this area more as LinkedIn than anything else where the people think they need to be prim and proper and it's like yo like this is a grungy navy town call it what it is like so it shouldn't really be like that um but people try to or at least the people that you would meet at a lot of networking events do kind of act that way and um it's interesting that you said that uh if i was so we're talking about airbnb if i was an airbnb host uh and someone came to town and said hey like i'm here for a week i'm here for a couple of days and they said, what, what, are, what are some of the things that are the go-tos that you have to do in the 757? What would you tell them? Where would you tell them to go? What, what would be the couple of things that are, are on the list, on Emmanuel's list of these are the things you have to do in the 757? Oh, that, that's an amazing question. So I, I'd say, oh, go ahead, Tim. No, I was just going to say, if you had to think on that, I was just going to, for the audience, it is episode 1675, if they want to hear oh. more from the Airbnb co-founder. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely look into that uh, later. Um, if, so for, if somebody came to 7 by 7 I'd immediately, if they're an outdoorsy person, I'd recommend going to Mount Trashmore. I used to fight kite stairs as a kid. It's still one of my places, place, favorite places to go and relax and unwind. Um, there's also, ah, I can't forget it. I forgot the name of that park um, by the ocean front, but um, first landing, I think first landing state park. Uh, that's mm -hmm. also a, a very, that's like, that's like a locals only place. Like if you don't know, if your locals know about that spot and um, it's such a discreet, quiet beach location that you just have to pay for parking, but it's, it, it's just so chill and it's not bombarded with people in the summertime like the regular oceanfront is it's like oh wow this is this is a private spot so that that's another spot um if they're looking for they're looking for like places to hang out at I really like going to um the Mambo room in Norfolk it's a really cool place to um they, they offer a variety of dance classes and I love going to their bachata and salsa classes. And they also offer a uh, kizumba and West coast swing and a uh, belly dancing. I've, I've tried all of them. And it's, it's a really, it's, it's a nice place to unwind and meet new people. Interesting. Um, and always have events going on. I've, I think they have like, it's a good classes thing. Megan that... doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> I have been to all three locations. However, the mumba room, I did not. It's in Ghent. It's on 21st street. Um, uh, or maybe 20th, depending on where the actual business is. But I've been there, just not for dancing lessons. There was like a networking event there uh, at some point. Those are all interesting. Mount Trashmore, First Landing State Park, definitely two locals, um, local fixtures, I would think, that people would say. And then the Mama Room, something that if we ask this question for the next 100 episodes, I don't think anyone else is going to say. So thank you for being the anomaly on that. For sure, and I think for food, uh, there's a it's a hole in the wall spot called Thai Best. That's the best Thai food I've ever had in the seven five seven. What's um, it called? Near uh, Thai Best. Okay. And it's it's near um it's, it's near the the Navy base. Hmm. Do you like Thai I'm, food? I'm, I love Thai food. I'm not a fan, yeah. but yeah, uh, I'm not super adventurous. But I am I am interested to hear you were originally we were going to have you on the show last week, but you were you took a little trip. I you, sure were in San, you were in San Francisco. Was that your first time in San Francisco? Uh, and what did you think of the Bay Area? That's actually my third time uh, third in time. San Francisco. And I I think everybody on Twitter is saying the Bay Area is like SF is back. The Bay Area is back. People are coming back. I think with the. The. Um, like the zeitgeist of, of AI and the different AI tools and protocols being released, it's now becoming the, the tech hub of the U.S. again. 
I can't really verify if that's true or not, but the energy in San Francisco is, is pretty incredible because everybody's always working on on cool things in, in technology. How do you define energy if people are typing away at their computers? Or is it not like that? It's a good, good question. So I can relate to most of my experience. Um, I went for a three-day hackathon hosted by uh, Build Space. Uh, Build Space, they're, they're the Hogwarts or the school for builders and hackers and hustlers that don't want to get a job, but instead uh, who want to create their own online tools, products, um, side gigs, or even a, a startup. And at this, this three-day hackathon for nights and weekends, uh, they, it was people from all over the world, people from Italy and India to uh, this guy from Peru and, um, and from Mexico. People came from all over the world. Any to, idea how many people were there for the hackathon? Yeah, so uh, 125 people came. And uh, from last, this is season two. For season one, I think there were 60 people that came. So it, it more than doubled. And it was, the energy was pretty insane. And the goal was to scale users and re- grow users and revenue over the course of three days uh, for their already existing projects. So for season one, I did it with Novus. And for season two, I was like, huh, like I've seen how much progress can be done in six weeks and in three days. Why not do it for my novel and see what happens? And um, funny story, like I ended up pitching my novel <laughs> to a bookshop um, in Chinatown in San Francisco and talked to roughly 60 people outside, um, a lot of who did not want whatever I had on my laptop at the time. And only four people stopped by. But it it was like, wow, like people are hustling out here. And I, I just feel invigorated in an environment that I'm not comfortable in like like back home. Yeah, I love the hustle. And I just that's one of the things I don't know if it's just because in addition to being so on one side, we have the Navy. We're we're a Navy town on the other side. Yeah, we're tourism is the other aspect. So it's like, does the tourism side of this area, does that keep things pretty chill and relaxed where people are on like island time, so to speak? You know, but it's like, man, the hustle in San Francisco or New York City is just unlike anywhere else and I, I, you can just feel the energy you feed off the energy and, and here it's just it's just it's just not so much yeah i mean it's just like yeah, i'll get to it um uh, when i get to it and this is like before you know it that's uh, it's unfortunately i see opportunity pass too many people by because they didn't execute fast enough i, I have this contrarian opinion where it's like i think the price of living had the cost of living has something to do with it like both new york city and San Francisco have an outrageous cost of living, but um, and I think that that's that spikes a fire or like it it it, really, it literally lights a fire underneath people. Like, wow, I gotta get moving and grinding, or else you know I'll like I'll be out of I'll be out of cash, I'll be out of runway. Um, and I think in Virginia, like it's a very safe and comfortable place to live, and with a reduced cost of living, I don't think the um, the urgency is 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 there. I think that this might be one reason. Because you're not paying ten grand a month for an apartment <laughs> for people. That's no. I mean, that's yeah. I like that pushback. I think that's interesting. I wonder. If yeah, that's, a that's on great that. insight. One of the things, man. I uh, I I was telling Zach uh, and Andrew before the show, and I, one of the things that I thought was really really cool, and you were because you were open about it uh, on Twitter. As you were talking about runway, you know, there's business runway and there's personal runway, and you're. You, I thought it was really cool that you're like, man, I needed to, I needed to do something. So I took a job as a dishwasher, you know, and, and you put that out there. I, so I just, so I think very, very few people would do that. Yeah. You know, just because I think that they're, they're too proud to, to say that they would do that. And so I thought that that was super cool. Um, that, Hey man, I'm in this, we're going to make this happen. We're going to make this work. Uh, and if it means I got to wash a couple dishes on uh, evenings or whatever, let's go. And yeah, I, I was I was ready to roll up my sleeves. Um, pretty, pretty crazy. So after the competition ended, uh, Novus was awarded fifty thousand um, dollars to to hit our milestones and goals. And um, I had left my job last year as an account manager with Microsoft uh, to pursue this this founder journey and, and see what happens. Right. And so I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot for a year and see what happens. So come December, I'm like, wow, like I'm in 11 months. And 
Um, I didn't read a fine print on Black Commission Prize's website that, you know, funds will be dispersed in 60 days. So I was like, yikes, one thing, always read a fine print. And uh, two, it's always good to have a cushion. And three, I wasn't so serious in the founder journey at first. I was still flipping NFTs and in trading cryptocurrencies online while learning how to build startups. So I wasn't really, my focus wasn't, um, my focus wasn't focused on the thing I should have been doing at one side. I was still trying to extend my runway by uh, playing these short-term games. So when um, the crypto market fell, you know, around March and April, so did my personal runway and, and burned. And so I, I couldn't, it was like, I, I wasn't focused. And so, and I should have put, I should have opened a business bank account sooner rather than later. So um, all those mistakes led me to like being completely out of cash. And I was like, you know what? I'll take this job for, for two months and see what happens. And on my first day at, at the gig over at uh, Neatburg VA, first off, I got, I got hired. That was the fastest I ever got hired for a job ever. And uh, it was like 18 hours after DMing them on Instagram. Um, they're like, yeah, you, you can come in and start today. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Is that and, the whiskey uh, chicken shop at the? That's the whiskey. Yep, that's the whiskey chicken shop over in Chesapeake. Is it any good? It's delicious. Okay. It's 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 really good. Um, and I, I'm really grateful to to their team for for taking me. And I, I think last year, I would have scoffed at an idea, but like, no, I have a college degree, I have X amount of experience in this company, that company, working at IT, da da da. But now it's like, no, nah, like I roll up my sleeves, do what needs to be done. They have a part-time schedule that allows me to still work on um, my startup full-time. I was like, let's go. Like, I'll do it. Let's do it. So I think it was really revitalizing for me, too, because it made me appreciate um, mm -hmm. the abundance of time that I previously had lost. And with that, um, once I put the tweet out, like, I guess I went, quote, unquote, semi-viral. And, uh, yeah, like, a couple investors reached out to me, and one investor in particular um, – just really enjoyed my story and wanted to see my journey and later sent me over, um, yes, like a, a few grand just to, just to keep going until, uh, our funding got injected. And so that, that was a huge, a huge blessing. And one that I definitely see coming. Wow. That's super cool. It, um, yeah, I think that some people may, yeah, they get comfortable. They get it. They get in that, that, ivory tower so to speak and they forget what it's like to have to roll up your sleeves and grind man i i love getting out there to and grinding uh from time to time i i, I think it's really important to that you got to stay humble you got to be reminded uh to get out there stay focused and uh I, I just thought it was a super cool story and mad mad respect for you uh for for sharing it with with the twitterverse thank you it was it was really uh Humbling too, because a lot of people reached out to me who were, who were also founders and some were working um, two jobs just to make ends meet. Some had families to take care of. And, and one guy was working at a supermarket and was like, yo, your, your story is inspiring. Like I'm going through the same thing right now. I think that's how you build a community. It's about being 100%. raw and present and in the moment. Because I think it's, it's a really cool thing to say when it's after all said and done, it's really hard and messy and, um, you say like in the moment what you're going through because I think just like the cyclical nature of a story like it follows that hero's journey pattern like everybody wants to find out what happens next to this character or what happens next to this person and I think if, if you're just just vulnerable and you can say that stuff in, in the moment people will you, you'll never know who rallies behind you and I wasn't looking for anything like like pity or support I just just never tweet <laughs> like like in the moment tweet so yeah, it's the magical uh, world of Twitter, I guess. I do think that, like, as we think about the 757, I, I wonder how many people have actually gone through, not necessarily going and, and, and dishwashing and something like that, but how many people are more just like LinkedIn founders, aren't really gritty, resilient to put in the effort. You got a lot of people, um, what do they call Monday morning quarterbacks, if you will, that are just talk about the process um, of, of entrepreneurship. I, I tend to believe as someone who's been in this community, I mean, over over a decade, 15, oh, 
that's kind of crazy to even think about the 15 year mark. <laughs> Almost that that. Um you, there's like you just there's not a lot of founders in the true sense of what I think the three of us would call maybe a founder. And so um yeah, it's it's interesting to hear that story. It's exciting to hear that story that other people are doing that to to do whatever it takes. And um I, I think more people that hear that story or see that story, they might not change their mind, but it might give them a little bit more respect for the people who are actually trying to make this happen instead of just complaining about, oh, this person right. made it because of whatever. It's like, well, no, how many, I, I how many totally balls did you throw into the court? That's right. And, and that's my thing. I think that the people around the community, they need to hear stories like this because it's like, man, I can get behind someone who they're going to go to this length to make their startup work. So it's like, show us your support. And vote with your wallet and and support these founders because this yeah. is what they're doing to make this successful. I, I did just, you ever attend to execute the event that we did called Execute? Yeah, it was like those supers. Yeah, so um, I don't remember how many times we did it, but it was like uh, micro, not TED talks because it's not TED talk in any kind of way, but like twenty minute, thirty minute talks of like the, a founder who had become successful and the crap they had gone through basically to get there. And execute was the word because, you know, you have to execute around it um, to, to make things happen. And um, a lot of what you're you're saying right now, Emmanuel, reminds me of those days where we're hearing those, I don't know, 12 to 16 people um, tell those stories over the couple of times that we did it. Um, it reminds me of maybe the questions that I would try to ask when I had the TV show on ABC, where I was like, yo, like, let's not talk about all the glitz and glamour of this. Let's talk about the stuff that like will help uh, someone else watching make it to the next step. And um, no, I think that's cool that you did it. Um, why did you decide not to pursue it any longer? What, what made you throw in the towel on Eatbird? Because that founder gave you, or that investor gave you money and that was enough or what, what changed yeah. your mind on that? Absolutely. So um, it was I, once he gave me the money, it was like two days. My first night working at Neeper put out the tweet. Two days later, I had the funds in my account. So it was really crazy. Fastest turnaround ever. <laughs> like no no term sheet, like didn't sign anything. It was just, hey, I, I believe in you. And it was on me to make, make use of that. So I thought about it for a week. I, I told my best friend about it. I called my co-founder and asked her her opinion on it. And if I should take it or not, because uh, it's it's really rare for those types of events to happen. Like you hear that happening to kids that graduate from Stanford or MIT mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, insert Ivy League name here um, that just checks all the boxes, like has the right skin pigmentation, like has the right pedigree and um, comes from this background that has Is he from this here? number, et cetera. He, he's, he's actually not. He's actually from no. South South Africa, which is um, it's, it's pretty funny, but um, it was just like, I, I thought about it, I was like, wow, if this person believes in me, then it's time for me to believe myself again. Yeah, there's a little, yeah, there's still PTSD and scars from from like falling down flat and having this really tumultuous journey, but it's, uh, this is this is quote from from Rocky, uh, I think from Rocky Five. I love Rocky. And uh, he's gonna, Rocky was giving a speech to his son, his son, and uh, he said, it's not about how many times you get hit. It's about how many times you, can, you still get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And that that, that quote has stuck with me since high school. And I think um, it, it it circled back at that moment. It's like, you know what? I'm getting back in the ring. Like, let's, let's go. Round two. Yeah. That's one thing that I tell my son uh, all the time is uh, it's like man, you, you can't beat someone who doesn't quit, you know, and it's just uh, you just you just got to keep out there, get after it, grind. And uh, I'll work out or I'll, I'll, I'll work anybody. And uh, I love I love that aspect of the startup world. I'll leave you with this. What What is your favorite Rocky movie? There's been nine. Rocky four. <laughs> Well, I guess you had the Creed movies. <laughs> why would you? Why wouldn't you? Right, right. I think Rocky Four is absolutely my favorite. When he's up against that guy Ivan Drago, that was mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, would, I would agree. I still play the soundtrack mm -hmm. when I take a shower. Oh, mm, yeah, Rocky Four is good. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I'm know. Sure. I, don't, I don't know. I would probably say two, one, four, three, five. <laughs> 
and then the creeds have got to be in there in a little different way. Um, Creed one is probably three. I like Michael B. Jordan. Um, so, and Creed three is coming out soon. So that'll be interesting to see how that comes through. May know it's been absolutely wonderful. Uh, looking forward to meeting you in person at some point in the future. And um, I'm glad that you uh, emailed Tim back that, that one day when he sent the email on Tuesday. Yeah. For everybody listening, use novus.io. Support uh, support the cause. Protect yourself. Manuel, it's been awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs>